Welcome to the Rich Life Podcast, where Kate Rich will be bringing you the greatest entrepreneurs and thought leaders from around the world to discuss how to finally have the rich, adventurous, flexible lifestyle, financial freedom, and the highest level impact you've always wanted without working harder and missing out on life. This is the advice you wish you'd heard years ago. Be prepared for Kate and her guests to show you what it truly takes to live the rich life. Hey everyone, today Oscar Guerrero and I are going to have a chat about freedom. And what we want to do is we want to keep this really conversational for you and we want you to take value from this that you can apply to your own life in understanding why you really want freedom and what it's going to take for you to create that freedom in your life. Now, Oscar uh, started out his business helping six and seven figure plastic surgeons specifically, um, create the businesses that they want and scale those, those businesses. And he's a pretty cool guy because he now lives uh, in uh, between Florida and Medellin, Colombia with his, his uh, partner and his 17 month old. Is that Oliver? Is that right. his name? You yeah. That right. Cool. So um, Oscar is going to share all his thoughts. We're going to just bounce back and forth, ask each other questions and go from there. Amazing. Amazing. Kate, well, first off, thank you for the invitation. I'm super pumped and grateful to be on here uh, and excited to speak to your audience and, and share, share everything that we know, everything we've gone through. Um, and again, I, I hope that our conversation today can, can really have a great impact um, and that people are able to get some really tremendous value from our conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Why don't we start with our hero's journeys so that our audiences can get to know both of us. And I think that is such an important place because, you know, you look at people's success and for me, people who are looking at my social followings will be like, Oh, Kate's always traveling all over the world. And you know, for you, people are looking at your success, but they don't necessarily understand where we've both come from. So do you want to start off and, and share a little bit about your sort of hero's journey with us so people can understand? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. So where we'll begin is, is really at my childhood. And I think this will be able to resonate with, with a lot of you listening here today. Um, so if any of you have had what I went through, um, you're not the only one. So um, I grew up in a family. I am the younger of two siblings and my older sister, uh, who's my best friend, my mentor, uh, I love her to death. But that being said, she was seven, eight years older than I was and was always the brain of the family. Um, and so coming from a, a Latino family where school was incredibly important, coming from um, immigrant parents who came to the U.S. so that she could have a better life and so that I could have a better life, um, that was sort of, she set the gold standard. And so uh, she went to all the best schools, had all the best grades, and then I came along seven years later and I just was the complete opposite. Uh, wasn't great at school, barely got into any colleges, and perception is powerful, especially when it's self-perception. And so I grew up with the self-perception that I was never going to be good enough, first and foremost for my family. And then that I was never going to be good enough nor smart enough to be successful in this world. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that is really tough growing up. It's obviously led to, to me being a certain way, having a certain attitude and having a, a particular outlook on life. And so, um, obviously it kind of grew up, had the amazing opportunity of traveling the world and that helped cultivate some more self-confidence. Um, fast forward to around 2013, I had just spent five years living in China. And so I get back to the U S right. And it's now time to get serious. I'm, I'm probably like 28 at this point. <laughs> I've never had a real job. 
Um, I got a connection and luckily I ended up with a really nice corporate job at Royal Caribbean International for uh, any of you cruise junkies out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so guys, kind of bringing the story up, it's, I, I had everything that the outside world validates as successful. I had a nice job, I had a good salary, I had the apartment. I had it, I had it all, right? And I'm kind of air quoting here. But what no one saw and what I think so many of us struggle with is I didn't feel like I was valid. And I felt so unfulfilled and I was so addicted to escape, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, what is escape? I've gotten this question a lot. What is being addicted to escape? And listen, at that point in my life, guys, I was addicted to, you know, uh, I was addicted to drugs, um, women, anything that would take my mind off of who I was not is what made me happy. Um, and so that led to basically me having a crazy, crazy panic attack in a board meeting because I was so petrified that they were going to ask me a question. And again, the paradigm came back that I wasn't smart enough to answer the question correctly. Mm. All right. So this stuff, this shit runs deep. Um, that panic attack is what changed everything. Um, it really, really changed everything. And it led me to seek out help. I went to a coaching program called The Art of Charm for anyone who knows that. They have a fantastic podcast, so go check them out. But I ended up going to The Art of Charm um, boot camp for like a week. And it was the first time in my life, once those seven days were up, it's the first time in my life that I felt like a leader. And it was because at the end of it, we asked, all the guys were asked to poll if there's one guy in this room that you could follow into a fight or fire, or whatever, I forget what it was exactly, who would it be? And it was me. And so that started this wave of, okay, you know what? Like I might actually mean something in this world and I might be able to accomplish something. And I think for anyone out there listening to this, one thought, it literally just takes one thought, one paradigm shift, one mental attitude change and everything can begin to change. And I know it sounds crazy and Kate, I know you've experienced this as well. Things can change mm-hmm. rapidly. And so um, fast forward, sorry, this is a bit of a long story guys. So fast <laughs> forward a bit and it was uh, about a year and a half ago, still in the corporate setting. Uh, I thought I was like the golden boy, really everything was coming in waves and in, in, in prosperity. And then a new VP came into my job and she says to me, she sits me down. It's like our second day there. She sits me down and she says to me, Oscar, I need you to stop thinking so big because I don't want you to be disappointed when things don't work out. Mm. (laughs) You're like, fuck that. that. (laughs) I was like, she's threatened by me. See where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) But but in reality, I mean, for anyone, I mean, imagine being in that situation, your ego just gets punched, like, Mm. right? Um, Punch hardcore in the gut. And it was in that moment, which just so happened to coincide with the birth of my son, like a week before with me saying, you know what, fuck this. I'm bigger than this and I'm better than this. It's time to seek out my own freedom. And it was in that moment, Kate, where I said, no longer will I allow myself to feel like I'm not important in this world. Mm. This is the last time that I ever feel like I'm not smart enough to succeed. And no matter what happens, I refuse to quit. Um, And that is what happened. I've gone through tons of ups, more downs, um, <laughs> but it is, I believe it is a culmination of the ups and the downs that really help shape us. And I think life is a continuous shaping um, into me having the opportunity to be here today and talking to you and your audience. 
Beautiful. I love that. And my own story shares so many parallels. And I think, I think for just about everybody that's listening, everybody has had that moment where enough is enough. That moment where you're like, oh, actually, this totally doesn't work for me and I'm not getting what I need and I don't get to be the person I want to be in this environmental situation. And, you know, my journey has, as I said, some parallels with yours in the sense that I had the perfect life. <laughs> you know, I had, I had the house and the car and the hot boyfriend <laughs> and this job, you know, I, I, I was um, a news anchor and then in, in high level PR for the government and you know, I was the, for example, like, you know, I was the only person in my grad class when I graduated during the financial crisis who had like a really good job that actually paid well. And um, I thought I was pretty sweet. I thought everything was great. And little did I realize that I actually hated it. And it wasn't that I wasn't learning cool things. It wasn't that I didn't have great opportunities. It was just that I didn't feel that I was following things I was really excited about. It never felt like I was made to sit at a desk. And the stress of, you know, I was always on my Blackberry. Remember when Blackberries were a thing? <laughs> All the cool kids were walking around with their Blackberries. Um, oh, God, I was so envious. I wanted a Blackberry. And then I got a Blackberry and I was like, oh, God. Um, right. So, you know, I was living a really stressful life in a stressful career and my personal life, you know, my partner and I were having some problems and, and there was a lot going on. And I ended up being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And... That was for me, you know, I got to the point where I was so weak, I couldn't even hold a frying pan. Like I couldn't cook my own food. I was sleeping under my desk at work. I was going to bed at five o'clock in the evening. Like just like I had the flu every day, like, unable to function. And I had kind of the reverse of one of those moments that you had where somebody sat me down and said the most important thing to me, you know, that I think anybody said to me in my life, it was my doctor and I was sitting in his office and he said, you have to get rid of your stress. You live with your stress. You got to end this relationship. Your job is stressful. You got to quit your job because if you don't within five years, you will not be well enough to hold a full-time job ever again. Wow. So for an, wow. you know, an early 20 something who's like, go, go, go type a, you can imagine that's like, that's a, a pretty big smackdown. Wake up call, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, I put aside all the things I thought that I should do. And I did just that. I quit the job. I rented out the house, I sold the stuff, I ended the relationship, and I moved to Australia. And I spent, actually, my little koalas yeah, behind me here. <laughs> For those who are, not, are listening to this by audio, I have this really cute little, uh, well, he's not little, he's this really cute koala. He doesn't have a name yet, so you can PM me your name suggestions, everyone. Um, but uh, yeah, so I moved to Australia, and I spent the next year getting well again. And, um, you know, I was really, really grateful within a year and a half, I was able to go into remission and, um, you know, just a whole series of events that then led me to really understanding that if I wanted to live to the level of ambition that I had, but within the bounds of my well-being, I had to really do things differently. And so that's where I started to create the systems and the processes that I teach to my clients who all want now to have the similar lifestyle that I've had where, you know, I've been remote for 10 years. Um, this year alone, I think I've, I've spent the last seven months in five or six different countries, running retreats all over the world, working with my clients in online programs. And, um, you know, my clients that come to me, they want freedom to be able to be remote, to actually enjoy their life and do the things that they love with people they love. But like you, you know, it came with releasing a lot of the shoulds and the things that I thought were expected of me, the things I thought I should be, and actually believing that not only was I enough to have the things that I wanted, but I deserved to have them. And I deserved to make up 
and that, you know, create what I wanted that to be instead of having to live in the bounds of what seemed possible and actually able to create the end vision and then engineer it backwards instead of, you know, hoping that circumstance would work in my favor. And, you know, so that sort of brought me full circle to where I am today um, in, in teaching entrepreneurs how to create that freedom as they are scaling their businesses, um, which, you know, has me really curious about for you now as an entrepreneur, you've had a lot of success in the last year, especially in scaling your business. What are some of the things um, that allowed you to still have that freedom as you were growing and scaling a successful business? Yeah, that's a good question, Kate. And so before I, before I answer that question, you, so you said a couple of things that I think were really powerful and something that I want to repeat because repetition really is the mother of skill. And, mm. um, you know, sometimes we think that we hear one thing that we'll remember it. Um, but I want to repeat a couple of things you said right now. And two key words, one was create and the other one was circumstance. Mm. And I'm a big, I'm a big follower of Earl Nightingale. He's kind of, he's one of the godfathers of personal development. The guy just, his voice is so soothing. Um, <laughs> he's aptly named. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, create, we were all put on this earth to create. All of us were here to create something. And we all have the ability to create something, be it creating a product, a service, creating your life, right? It's, it's, mm. it's kind of cliche, but we are the architects of our lives and of our lives. And I think what happens so many times is people lose sight of the fact that we are creators, that we are born creators, and they allow outside circumstance, which is the second keyword that we're going to hold on circumstance, that we become like outer directed, meaning we allow the things that people say, the, um, the, uh, the environment, the, uh, the economy, all of these outside forces, it's almost as if we forget that we are in control and we allow everything else to dictate, dictate the course of our lives. Um, and so that's really, that's really, I think, something for us to remember is we are creators and we are also the architects of our circumstances. And if, listen guys, if there's a circumstance that you don't like in your life, then go out and make it happen, mm -hmm. right? You are not a prisoner to your circumstances, okay? Obviously there's gonna be some things in life I think that aren't entirely in your control and that's okay. Don't worry about the things that you don't have control over. But the things that you do, certain circumstances in your life, own it and, and run with it. And, and don't worry about the outside world because there's so much power within you to go out, create your own circumstances and create. So um, again, I just wanted to really, really highlight what you said with those two words because they're such powerful words. And um, I want, you know, I want everyone listening here to, to just kind of brain tattoo that, right? You know, creator. <laughs> have the power and the ability to create our circumstances. I like that brain tattoo. So how does, how does that apply to scaling? Like how do you create, how do you create your own circumstance in your business to be able to have freedom while you're taking on more responsibility, while you're taking on more clients, while you're trying to create all the systems and structures and processes to operate a business that functions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I took a, I took a really great, um, I guess, lesson from Dean Graziosi in his book, uh, Millionaire Success Habits. And he taught, he taught me something so powerful, and that is focus on what you're good at, right? So it's almost as if make a list of, you know, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, list out everything you're good at, mm. everything you're bad at, and then just do a giant X by the things you're not good at. And then hone in, deeply hone in, get obsessive, 
with the things that you're good at and become great at that. Now, why do I say that? And why is that important? How does that relate to scaling? Listen, a lot of us, a lot of entrepreneurs and Kay and I were talking about this before, when you get to like that 10, 8K, 10K mark, right? When you kind of hit six figures and you feel like, yo, you know, I'm the shit, I'm really making it. I'm, I've made it in the entrepreneurial world. At that point, now you have to do what you're good at, what you're not good at. You have to build a team. You have to keep clients happy. There's so many things that you start adding to your plate. And so what happens is rather than focusing on the things you're good at and becoming great at those things, now you spend way too much time uh, trying to figure out the things you're not good at, mm-hmm. which does two things. Number one, slows you down. Yeah. And number two, Agreed. without you realizing subconsciously, it actually makes you feel pretty shitty about yourself, right? Mm. It's like, I, I was terrible. I was. I am terrible at math. <laughs> <laughs> I am horrible, horrible at math. And so for the longest time, I always thought I had to be good at math to, to whatever, for whatever reason to prove something. But why? All I ever did, and I realize that now, mm. by focusing on stuff that I'm not good at, it just made me feel really bad about myself. Yeah. And it's diluting your energy too, right? Like it's taking all that time that you could be investing into, you know, they say you're 10,000 hours to be really, really good at something. You know, it's taking all of those hours and spreading them across all sorts of things when you could just hire that out. You know, I think, I think my sort of perspective on the whole thing is similar. And I think it's uncomfortable for people to outsource things because they're uncomfortable releasing control often over their brand but also because they've just started to make some money and now they're like, Oh, I'm going to give it all away to somebody else. <laughs> so I think that that's, so, that's so difficult. But one of the things I know from my, from my own business and from, you know, watching my clients is that, you know, you, you see the money going out the door and you see the, the control being released. And sometimes there's a feeling like it's not going to come back to you. But the moment that you have all the energy to focus on the things that you are so good at, is the moment that it all just starts to flow back, right? Because you are giving so much of your energy and attention to like, let's say that you are really great. I don't know what your skill set is, but you know, I'm really great at connecting with people and, you know, having people really excited about my, my program. And I'm also really good at closing people, but I can't do with full focus, both of those things. I just can't. So right now I'm training, um, you know, hiring and training a sales team, which for me has been really difficult, you know, being real with everybody as to where I am in my journey. Like it's been really difficult for me to allow other people to close when I've got such a high close rate. It's, it's like trusting people with your leads, with your product, with all those things. But when I'm able to take, you know, if I'm able to take 20 hours of my week and give it to lead generation, Give it to creating powerful content with my ads team. Give it, you know, put that 20 hours somewhere else. It's like suddenly there are so many leads. It doesn't matter if they close them, <laughs> you know, like they can, they can close like half a percent of what I'm closing and still create the same or more. And over time, I know that that sales team is going to be able to close way more people than I ever, ever could. But I think for entrepreneurs, and maybe you can tell me how you deal with this and how your team deals with this. Sometimes the training time it takes to A, create the processes and systems and B, to actually have people really understand your mission and your values and how you work um, can often feel like it takes so much time and energy that they don't have time to then like do their own work. So how do, how do you deal with that as an entrepreneur? What were some of the tips and tricks for you as you were 
you know, working with contractors and, and team members to teach them what they needed to do while you're trying to figure it out and do all your own shit. How do you manage that? Yeah, that's a great question. One thing I found that really worked for me was when I became obsessively uh, clear about where I wanted to go, what mm. direction I wanted to go in. So be it niching down on who you help, niching down on how you help. And again, either outsourcing the things you're not as good at or simply just not worrying about them. Mm. That all brought everyone onto one kind of one platform. And so the outsourcing and all that, that's great for time management. It allows you to, to scale and to put your resources in areas that will allow you to produce more income for your company so you can grow. But I think kind of a more woo woo concept, if you will, <laughs> it's aligning everyone to a bigger purpose because what I have found, and, and I was telling Kate okay, this as well, earlier, I am forbidden from hiring in my company. <laughs> so many hiring mistakes because I didn't have that at the time. I didn't have a clear vision. So rather than bringing people into a common goal, I just brought them in to get paid. Got it. Right? Um, and so if, if, if you can become just as clear as possible. And no one's telling you you have to define, you know, define it for the rest of your company or the rest of your life. Mm. But if you can decide on exactly where you want to be in the next three months, six months to a year, and you can have a, a very defined, clear statement that everyone can rally around. That way, whenever things are going bad or someone gets in an argument or, or a campaign doesn't work out, it's okay because we know that there's a bigger goal that we're all trying to accomplish together. And so I think if you're running a company, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're getting to a point now where you need to start bringing people on and outsourcing and, and all those things, it's really a, a massive component of leadership. And the leadership isn't being the who, you know, the ooh rah rah guy all the time or, or woman. It is saying, listen, this is where we want to go. This is our vision. I want you to be a part of it. Your skill set's important to what we do. Making sure they understand that, they feel mm. appreciated. And watch how everything starts to really just come together beautifully, organically, naturally. You get my point. Got it. So what you're just kind of sum that up, essentially ensuring that they're really enrolled in the vision and aligned with what you're creating. So everybody's on the same page. Let's say that you have that mm -hmm. and you've got a team that's excited and they're aligned. How do you actually manage just the day to day of all the questions, all the things that have to come to you for approval. How do you manage the actual volume of tasks? I know this is a big thing. You know, we can live by the calendar. We can block our time and batch tasks and do all these things that I teach to my clients. But at the end of the day, when you are scaling so quickly, there's, and there's such a large volume of tasks, how do you manage that with your team and really empower them to do the work when it, Maybe sometimes even feels like you can't keep up with their requests, let alone anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Great question again. Wow. Um, two things. I think one is on a personal level and then the other one is again, kind of the, the teamwork side of things. Mm. I, I don't know about UK, but um, my whole thing, my kind of my maniacal obsession with habits, it's that my mornings when everyone else is asleep, my 5 a.m., that is kind of like my power hour. So I take care of myself personally. Mm -hmm. And I also knock out the things, the requests, the fires that are most important. And I get those things out of the way so that my day at 7 a.m. when everyone else starts to wake up, 
all those all those tedious things that were on your mind that could create a lot of uh, I guess distress, if you will, inside of your company, are now alleviated. That's one that I think as as leaders as entrepreneurs that we can handle ourselves. So can um, I can I just jump in before you go to the next one? So are you referring to a having powerful habits, but b doing what I call like eating the frog? Like doing that task first thing in the morning before everybody's up that you don't really want to do, the one that like has that ill feeling that just makes you feel icky. Is that the task that you're talking about knocking out before everyone's up? Absolutely. And how do, how do entrepreneurs, you know, and I know you have a second part to this answer, but I'd love to hear what your suggestions are to help entrepreneurs do that thing that they just don't want to, you know, when they have that really deep, like, Oh, I just don't want to, how do you, um, for yourself, how do you move past that to actually take action and eat that frog in the morning? Example, lead by example. If, if I can't handle a ugh task, you said eat the frog, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Listen, if I can't eat the frog, then shame on me to expect anyone else on my team to eat that frog. Got it. Right. So it's, again, it is, a level of uh, not self-discipline, but it is a level of um, expectation mm. that I think we have to set upon ourselves. Because again, you can fake it for a, for a little bit, but <laughs> when we're talking about scaling a business. There is no more faking it. You have to be upfront. Um, and again, if, if, if you can't eat the frog, then why would you ask your team to do it? And if you do do that, good luck having that team for a long time. Yeah. So for you, it's really an integrity thing. It's like being the person who does the thing that's going to get you there essentially. And just waking up every single day, knowing that in order to be the example for your team that has them excited and enrolled and seeing you do the work um, that, you know, that's, what's going to take you there. Got it. Okay. I digress, but let's hear part two of your answer. No, you can't even remember what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) We went went down the rabbit hole there. No, it's all good. Uh, I wanted to, I remember the second part, but you know, we, Kate, you and I both worked in corporate environments before. Mm. And did you not have at some point that one boss or someone in your company who you reported to that made you do all the things that you knew they were supposed to do, but because of the hierarchy, they just handed it off to you and expected to get done? Yeah, we've all had that. (laughs) So yeah, you, you, you know, to be bigger, uh, I love the word you said, integrity, to, mm. to live our, our integrity and to live into our authentic selves and do the things that are tough so that people will then follow suit. Um, and that's second, the, the second part of this, and it ties back to leadership. Um, and it is allowing your team the confidence to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say to my team, I don't mind if you make mistakes as long as you're pushing the boundary. And just don't make the same mistake twice. like don't make a dummy mistake one time not learn from and do it again but as long as as long as we can empower our team to be leaders right everyone is a leader in their own right Uh, i'm gonna talk about robin sharma the robin sharma's got a book uh, the leader with no title or the leader who had no title along those lines um and i loved it because what he said in his book his whole concept his whole message was every single one of us you kate myself everyone listening we all have an inner leader within us and as a leader you have to tell everyone, let them know you are a leader as well in your own right. And so if you're running project A, own project A, right? Make it, make it everything for you. And it's okay if you mess up. 
as long as you continue moving forward in confidence and understand that no matter what, you are a leader and it doesn't take a title, it doesn't take a salary, it doesn't take anything for you to live that way. Um, and I think when you combine those two things by example, by empowering your team, um, you know, you, you kind of get to that point where, where you can deal with all these fires. Totally. To give you a personal example that illustrates exactly what you're talking about, like allowing your team to make mistakes. Um, my assistant and I had been working together at that time, my, my current assistant, we've been working together for about maybe four months and we've been building our email list and we've been putting a lot of focus towards marketing funnels and getting all the automations really like set up for the, the new phase of the business. And um, she sent out a test email for our very first email marketing to go to everybody. The test looked great. I approved it. And what actually turned out happening is that for some reason in Active Campaign, her, um, her test name went out to everybody. So it said, hey, Charlotte, to everybody. My assistant's name is Charlotte. And I immediately got back all these angry emails from people that were like, my name's not Charlotte. <laughs> and my assistant was like, oh, my God, Kate, I sent them all. And at first I was like, oh, right? Like I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like this is not a good first impression. But then I sat down and I thought, you know what? What if every mistake that you and your team made got to be a learning experience for your client to have them step into the bigger thing? So what I then did is I sat down, I took 10 minutes and I wrote an email that was titled, your name's not Charlotte. And in it, I basically said, we're going to show you what it looks like to take imperfect action in progress right now. You want to know what the number one reason that people don't succeed in business is? They are afraid to make mistakes. Guess what? Your name's not Charlotte. We just made a mistake. However, we took action. And that's the reason that we hit six figures in the first, month, uh, first six months of our business. That is the reason that we are successful and provide results to our clients. Because we get out there, we take action, and then if it's a mistake – we act with integrity and we use it as an opportunity, not just to teach our team, but to also teach the client. So for Charlotte, it was a great learning experience because she got to see, oh, wow, I make a mistake and A, I'm not in trouble. You know, I said to her, shit happens. You know, we couldn't have known that. It shows your, it shows your name in the test because that's the name you put in. We don't know what happened. It's okay. Go figure out what you did wrong. Come back and let's sort it out. Amazing. And I was able to then, like I said, like I had people actually write back to that email and be like, wow, this was so cool. Like what an awesome learning opportunity because we flipped it so that they could understand, um, you know, and it gave us an opportunity to be human. When your company mm -hmm. makes mistakes, when your team makes mistakes, it's, it's just like vulnerability. It's, it's the crack where the light gets in. It's the place where your client and the people you're trying to serve actually get to connect with the fact that you're a human out in the world making something. Right? Like that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, good, good for you. I mean, that's, that's an amazing story. And, and imagine now where, where your relationship is with Charlotte, right? Yeah. Her, her confidence, her ability to execute your confidence in her. It was an amazing move by you to understand, to sit down, to reflect as a good leader should and does mm -hmm. and be able to say, Hey, you know what? We all make mistakes. Let's, let's make this a positive. And I think you did that incredibly well. And so I apologize. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like Charlotte now feels empowered that she can go and take action. And if it's not right, I'll tell her. But, you know, I'll say to her, hey, can you go and sort out this funnel for our upcoming event? And she says, oh, here it is, Kate. It's already done. <laughs> you know, and she's like half the things she's done them before. Because she felt 
you know, comfortable to go out and make a mistake and know that I would give her feedback, but then she'd build and she'd go forward. And I think that's something that's so important for everybody who's building a team to be able to, as you said, empower their team to take initiative and to own it and to know that if it isn't working, they're going to get feedback, but that their employer would rather them go ahead and start and do the best that they know how to do and then finesse from there. Because nobody really fucking knows what they're doing, right? Like half the time. Do you feel so like you true. know what you're doing in your business? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you said something really, really, really powerful again. Um, feedback. How many of us are afraid of feedback? How many of you are afraid of feedback? Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, I messed up, but that's okay. I know I messed up. Don't tell me anymore. Um, but my goodness, I mean, how, how much can we grow? How quickly can we all grow? with just some constructive feedback. No, no, don't go out and bash people, please. Uh, mm. But, you know, we all make mistakes. And so we all deserve not just to receive feedback, but to give feedback. And I think it's probably one of the most serving, serving things. I don't know if that's a word, but one of the most, one of the most amazing things that we can do to empower other people and to help other people. And um, if you can help someone grow, then um, I don't think there's anything more fulfilling than that. Yeah. And I always get my team to give themselves feedback too. Like I always say like, what are three things that you loved about the way that you did that? And what's one thing that you would have done differently or one thing that you think that you could bring more to the table. And that's an opportunity. I think as people are going along for them to reflect on what their skills are, but also the places that they can grow. And, and that opens the avenue for them to ask questions about, you know, how they can do that better or, you know, what, what they actually need. Yeah, guys, guys, for those of you listening, that's an amazing exercise. Actually, I, I'm going to write that down. Um, yeah, that's an amazing exercise to do with your team. Very cool. I'm going to take note. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I get my team to give me that feedback too. I'll say, what are three things you loved? And it's great, right? Like it's nice to also receive some acknowledgement in that. So I will say to my team, like, hey, you're training by listening to my sales calls. Like what were three things that you loved about that? And <laughs> what was one place that you were like, fuck, Kate, you dropped the ball on that. Like, if I would have said this and then it would have like, the person would have just been like, yes, I'm a yes. <laughs> and we wouldn't have had to do the last 15 minutes of the sales call. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, it goes both ways too. It's also fun to get feedback from your own team so that you know how you're really supporting them. So you can give them more of that and the places where maybe they just don't quite feel like they get what they need from you. I hear you. And so what's, what's about, what's been one feedback that you get that is generally positive? And what's one negative feedback or constructive feedback that you've gotten that you've been able to work on that's made you a better leader and businesswoman? I'm going to start with the feedback, the, the constructive negative feedback first, um, which is usually, it's usually my team coming back with all the ideas of all the, the ways that it could have been <laughs> developed more fully. And what I mean by that is like, I'm always testing things before I know what I'm doing. And so, but I can always see, you know, for example, in a sales process, they'll say, oh, um, it would be really great if I had had access to this document or if I'd had an FAQ about this and I get to go, yep, yep, you're right. That's on the list of things for us to do three months from now because we didn't have time to do it, but we're testing it. So one thing I love about that is it's actually feedback, but it's reaffirming that we're on the right path because my team is giving me feedback for things we just haven't had time to, time to implement yet. 
because we're implementing so much stuff at once. So if you're getting a lot of feedback from your team, it's also a good sign. It's a a sign of two things. One, you're really unprepared or B, you're taking a lot of action um, without having all the answers and you're learning along the way. So my team knows that I don't have the time, like we're creating this together. Like they know that, like this is a creative process. I'm not sitting on the throne with all the answers. I'm enrolling you to create this with me. So it's really co-creation with my team. Um, I think the positive feedback that I most often get is around my energy and my aura and the impact that it makes for them to train under and be mentored by somebody with, you know, the level of clarity and I guess articulation of that clarity that I have. So those are kind of the two things I get is sort of like, you're running before you're walking. <laughs> like what, do, what other stuff do we need to support this process? And then, but at the same time, it's awesome. <laughs> so there's, yeah, two sides to that. What about you? Love it. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing it. Mm. And listen, um, you ha- I mean, to scale, to grow, um, you gotta test and you just sometimes speed over perfection. Totally. It's a, it's a, good thing right um recovering perfectionist here so i can speak to that one big time <laughs> never perfectionist um which has gotten to me so uh, i think that's why it was nice to get your question uh i would start with the constructive feedback that i've gotten from my team first and foremost when we were when we were struggling um and by the way do you mind me sharing the um, kind of a moment where my agency was about to go into the ground Mm-hmm. Um, and everything that I thought I was going to do was, was really kind of at that point where either I give up or I don't. Um, and this was about seven months ago. So similar to UK, we grew incredibly fast over a course of you know, six, seven months. But November of last year, um, I was in Miami and I'm driving to Publix, which is our grocery store over here. Mm-hmm. We had just lost three clients that month because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just knew that I had a marketing agency and that I thought I was supposed to run some Facebook ads. I digress driving to Publix and no one knew this, but I was panicking on the drive there because I had a five month old son or something along the, like that. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to afford almond milk. And it was one of the kind of most humbling experiences of my life. Where I was like, my goodness, what am I doing? Everyone thinks I'm insane already as it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just a, an, an incredibly scary moment that I want to share because no matter where you are today, whether you're on top or you feel like you're on top or at the bottom, just remember that it's, it's never, nothing ever stays the same. And you have to continuously push the limits. You have to continue growing, challenging yourself and putting in the work. Um, because in this whole game of entrepreneurship, things can change in an instant, both positively and negatively. Um, so I just want to share that. And I share that because it was right around that time where I asked my team for feedback and I was like, guys, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And they said, you are a control freak. Like, <laughs> dude, let, like, let go. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I wanted to do everything. You know, I wanted to approve everything. I wanted to be the one that ran the ads. I, just, I chose a, the creative. I wanted to just, I wanted to be in control of everything because I thought I knew best. Yeah. When in reality, I was the one holding us back the most. Um, and so that was always a, an amazing uh, source of feedback. And then more recently, it's been, dude, you're terrible at hiring. Um, <laughs> we already covered that. So that was some of the feedback that I've gotten. And some of the feedback, again, it's, it's similar to UK. It's, it's vision, it's energy. 
Um, and it's my refusal to quit. Uh, I refuse to quit. I refuse to ever feel like I'm not smart enough, like I didn't growing up, to refuse that I'm invisible or not important enough. I, I refuse that. That's kind of like my why, right? That's what drives me. And so I'm able to transfer that energy to my team and say that no matter what happens, if there's one thing you can count on me on for, so I'm never going to go backwards, right? Even if something is on, you know, if something's not working or things are tight, I will continue to figure out a way to always move forward because in life, in business, there is no standstill, right? You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And I refuse to move backwards. Um, so that's, that's what I've gotten from my team. And I think it's been pretty spot on. Mm, yeah. Like an empowering version of stubborn, <laughs> stubborn to succeed. I love that. I love that so much. Um, can we open up the back ends of our businesses here for a second and talk about some of the systems? What are, um, cause this is one thing I think is a big thing for a lot of entrepreneurs. They don't know how to automate. They don't know what to automate. They don't know how to organize themselves and their time and their energy. What are some of the systems, uh, some of the systems and kind of funnel setups that you use with your team that have been most transformative for, you know, your ability to manage your time and your energy? Sure. So the things that I found took up the most amount of time for us was funnel building and copywriting. So mm -hmm. be it through landing pages or Facebook ads or Google ads, whatever it was. And of course, this was me trying to do it all. Um, <laughs> The two platforms, and really these are shout outs to two companies that I love. And so I hope, I hope if you hear them, use them. They're amazing. I trust them fully. Um, for my funnels, I use what's called, I, I use Rockstar Funnels. Okay. Uh, they're a team based on the Philippines. They are amazing and they have a fantastic leader. And then for copywriting, I use Ad Zombies. Ad Zombies, uh, I do a monthly subscription with them. They write all my ads, all my landing pages. Uh, check out my landing page, guys. You can see, just look at the copy, see the power, the storytelling, um, the branding that goes around that. There's an art and a science to it that takes time. And having those two things outsourced completely changed not just my business, but my clients' businesses. Mm. Um, so those are two. And then for from an organizational standpoint, I use, I use Slack. Um, internally, we use a lot of uh, Slack and Asana. Mm. Uh, but I'll be honest, guys, I don't really go in there much. Uh, that's more <laughs> but those are, those are the four things that I can tell you right now are what we use and have helped us begin to scale this business. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I was actually fessing up to, um, to one of my clients today. She's like, oh, I'm using Asana. I love it so much. Like, I'm so glad you taught us how to use this. And I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. And I said to her, I was like, <laughs> I never look at mine, but go you. And my team actually does. So like I, I am such a, I don't want to say spastic, but like my brain is like massive organized chaos. I think like most entrepreneurs, I'm mm -hmm. always thinking of something that can be optimized. I'm always thinking of that next thing. And so I actually use WhatsApp voice notes, my poor assistant. I just voice note her all hours of the day and night. And I have told her to <laughs> side note, all of you who work for somebody still or, have a team, put boundaries in place from, for when you expect to hear back from them. I have told her, I'm going to just like send you these voice notes, like verbal diarrhea, whenever they come into my mind, please don't answer if it's at 12 PM on a Friday, 12 AM on a Friday. Um, you know, and I will just say, you know, Hey, so-and-so just when you get the landing page notice this, this button doesn't quite click to where I want. Can you fix that? Like I'm just constantly voice noting my team actually then takes 
My assistant takes my voice notes. She puts them into Asana and she assigns them to people. Do I ever go in there? Probably not as much as I could or should. Should. Yeah, I'm not even trying on the um, login. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an amazing, amazing tool. So for those who are listening, if you're not using and Trello, you know, there's a couple other ones that are all kind of the same, um, but they're super reasonable. Some of them are even free and they're an amazing way to start organizing because you can put links in and timelines and deadlines and you can assign those tasks to people that then get notified by email and, um, yeah. and it's really great. So we use, we use that, but I actually love using WhatsApp voice notes because it's literally like I can be in the middle, I can be grocery shopping and then I can be like, oh, hey, remember that thing I forgot about? Please do that. <laughs> and it's, or feedback. Because one thing I know about running a team is people spend way too much time emailing and they get lost writing these emails that are then often misinterpreted. So especially if you're dealing with something delicate, I really like to send my team a voice note so that they can hear my tone and they're not misinterpreting Cause I'm pretty, when people make mistakes, I'm pretty chill about it. Like, like, you know, that earlier example with <laughs> the email marketing gone wrong, you know, I'm pretty chill about it. And I'm always, I'm always like, okay, that happened. Let's find a solution. But I think it's really important when you're communicating with your team for them to understand the tone of your voice. So I try my very best not to email people about delicate topics. Um, and I try not to give feedback if it's, if it's feedback that I know it's going to be, they're going to be sensitive to, I try not to send that by email. I try and send that by voice note so they can actually hear what's underneath what I'm saying instead of just, because we all put on our own pair of glasses based on our life experiences. Like for you, it was, you know, not being smart enough. That's the lens. And you were putting that on for everything. Mm -hmm. It's the same with people on our team. They all have the lens that they're filtering things through. And so when we text or email or, you know, anything that doesn't have our voice in it, it's easier for people to ascribe their own interpretation instead of getting the interpretation that you're actually intending. So that, um, that's sort of a side note from systems, but that's really important. Um, no, I think that's, that's great. I mean, it not only, I love what you said about tonality and getting the point across, so there's no, mm. uh, there's no, I guess, confusion in translation, but it's also just really effective. And, yeah. you know, in, in kind of the world we live in today, I, I was saying this to, to my partner, Rebecca earlier, um, you know, we're moving towards, or not moving, we kind of are, like I was saying, in this generation of mm. auditory and, uh, and, and visual, right? So video, video and, and audio. And so uh, similar to you, Kate, I, I agree. I mean, yes, put boundaries. Um, I made that mistake where I used to have Voxer. So I think there's like, oh, mm -hmm. what? And I would give that to my clients. That was a huge Ooh. Mistake. Yeah. mistake. Um, but I digress. The, the ability to send voice notes, um, like you said, you break through any type of miscommunication and it's just also really effective. It's fast, um, it gets the point across and, and things just get, get done. And again, we live in an age of speed. So the faster we can get things done and get them done correctly, the better off we'll be. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's really interesting because I know, I know we started this conversation talking about freedom and we've really gone into the team route. Um, right. And I think that is such an interesting thing to note because I think having an appropriate team is one of the most important elements for freedom so that you can free up your time and energy to, I call it following your zone of genius, um, which is you know pretty much what you were referring to about doing the thing that you're really great at, doing the thing that you love and just absolutely killing it at that. Other than team and outsourcing and having some of these tools for your funnels and um, tools for organization, what would you say, like, let's maybe choose one more 
to wrap up the conversation with. What do you think is the number one thing we haven't talked about yet that allows entrepreneurs to have that freedom? So I'm going to go back to a, a bit of a woo-woo concept here. And, and, and I say that just because it has changed my life. It is what I teach my clients. Mm. That's what I, I try to inspire people around me is what are your habits? You want freedom in your life, be it time freedom, financial freedom. You want a better relationship. Um, you want to have you know, more time with your kids, more time with your spouse, whatever, whatever it is. What do your habits look like? Um, and I think when we become monomaniacally focused on a few key habits that really help us be more productive, they put more money in our pockets, they help us, again, have better communication with the people around us, that, that has given me freedom. Uh, without, my, without my habits, Kate, there is no way in hell that we would be living in Medellin, Colombia, traveling to Miami. We spent a week in New York. I mean, that is all possible because of habits. And whatever those habits are, you know, if it's you're spending too much time watching Netflix, if you're spending too much time on your phone, um, you know, if you're whatever, whatever it is, if your habits aren't serving you and moving you forward, then I think it's time to reevaluate what habits you are and start to implement things that they might be ugly in the beginning, right? And they're a little bit messy as you go through it, but the habits that after, you know, 30 days, 40 days, really begin to change your life, that has created freedom, a lot of freedom mm -hmm. for us. Um, and again, I will take this to the grave with me. If the first thing I will talk to any entrepreneur, anyone who wants to work with me, any client, you wanna change your life, begin by changing your habits. What are, I totally agree with you. And like, just, I do have a follow up question, but before I do, I just wanted to add, you know, I was always that person. One of the reasons I designed my life around freedom is I was so traumatized by like the structure of corporate life and, you know, how ill I became inside that structure that I think, to be honest, is I think the structure itself is kind of sick. People who work in a, in a really high stress, high pressure environment, whether at a desk all day, I think it's super unhealthy. Um, and I think that is, you know, transitioning. We're seeing so many more remote workers and all those things. But one thing I really did not understand was that structure is the, like structure is the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Structures, structure and freedom are besties. Let's put it that way. Like if you want to have freedom in your life, you have to have really powerful structure and habits are great. I mean, structure can look like all different sort of things. It can look like your boundaries, your integrity, how you use your calendar, and your habits, your daily habits. Um, but I always thought that freedom meant not being accountable to anybody right. and not having anything you had to do and, you know, never setting your alarm, being like, fuck that. But what I realized... <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, right? Like what I actually realized is true freedom is the option to choose what you want most and then create really powerful alignment with that thing you want in terms of what you say yes and no to, in terms of how you spend your time, and in terms of having the habits that support your well-being to be able to, to deliver on those things. And, you know, wow. being responsible and accountable only to the things you want to be responsible and accountable to, not just yes. like fucking throwing the whole rule book to the winds and saying, fuck this, I'm going to, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I'm going to be a hermit living in a cave on the beach. Nobody talked to me. Right. So, um, I, I love that. I would love to hear for you. Like, what are some of your, what, what are your top five habits that you think have created your success for you? 
I have habits. That's, that's a good one. Um, well, listen, first and foremost, wake up, start off by waking up a half an hour earlier than you wake up right now mm. for anyone. Right. Um, so like, I'm a big proponent, I'm a big proponent of the 5am club. So I'm obsessive mm. about it. I love it. I, lo- I love being, knowing that I am up and I guess this will transition to a couple more habits, getting up early, working on my body, so that it releases, you know, BDNF, uh, brain-derived neurotropic mm-hmm. factor, right? Basically, it helps. It's like neuro, um, what's it called? It's uh, like miracle growth for our brains and, mm-hmm. and everything in our cells. Working on, the, working on our bodies, working on our mindset. So be it, um, you know, journaling. For me, it's writing down my goals. So um, let, me, let me get a little bit clearer on the question. So number one, wake up a little bit earlier than you're typically used to. So you can get a head start on your day, knock out the most important things. Number two, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, move your body, do some jumpy jacks, do some push-ups. If you can go to the gym, great, do that as well. Number three, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve in life? Where do you want to go, right? One of my favorite audio tapes is called The Strangest Secret by Ron Nightingale. And he always says that people with goals succeed and people without them don't. And it's because, and he always gives the analogy, our, life, our lives are like a boat, a ship, if you put, if you have a ship with a crew and a map and a direction, a destination, it more often than not will get there, right? Mm-hmm. But if you just have a ship and you send it off with no crew, no direction, nothing, same ship, everything, it's going to crash or it's going to end up somewhere deserted. Our lives are very similar. Um, so three, be very clear about where you want to go in life and what, what your goals are. Um, number four, learn, right? All the best leaders, the titans of our industries, they're all learners, right? They're obsessive, obsessed with learning and be it an audio tape or a book or, or whatever it might be, learning from others, right? Um, learn and then continue doing learning and doing that every day. Um, and fifth habit. Okay, this one's crazy. And you guys are going to hate this one. <laughs> Take cold showers. <laughs> I knew you were going to, I was like, he's going to say ice baths. <laughs> oh, I wish I had all that. Um, but yeah, guys, cold showers are be, uh, tragically amazing. Uh, they I was going to say deliciously horrible. So we were both like right on point with that. Way I said it. <laughs> they are deliciously horrible. Mm. Um, but goodness, they're so good for you. Uh, and it just snaps you awake. And then it's got a bunch of other health benefits. Um, you know, it, it helps circulation. And one final one, a bonus, a bonus um, habit. And this one ties back to your health. If you can fast, mm. uh, I, I fast for the first, usually until uh, noon or 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. I fast. It really helps with clarity. I avoid brain fog. It keeps my blood sugar down. Um, it allows me, again, to do all those things that I just talked about and be productive first thing in the morning, journal, read, work out, um, and then knock out my most important tasks at the first half of the day. And then finally give myself a meal where I can now just kind of relax a little bit more than I would have in the morning. Nice. Your turn. (laughs) Well, I was going to say what I love about those, first of all, and just a note to everybody who's listening, none of those habits that you top five plus bonus that you just said have anything to do with your business. They are all you. And this is the thing. People come to me and they're like, oh, well, you know, am I, am I, is this a business coaching program that I'm taking? Like, like, is it pertinent for me to talk about my relationships here? Like, can I talk about this? It's like, fuck, bring it all. 
because most businesses don't fall apart because people don't have the talent or they don't have something people want. The business falls apart because the entrepreneurs who are at the foundation of that business don't have their own powerful habits and foundations to be able to hold all the volume of all the things that come flying at them. So it's not, you know, business isn't about making life less chaotic. It's about how grounded you can stay inside of the chaos. And that's why it's all about you. And so that's one thing I hear so many people, you know, say is, oh, what should I be doing for my business? Put yourself first and then the business will take care of itself. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, do you, would you agree with that statement? I think you cut out. Can you still hear me? It looks like you're talking, but I can't see. So yeah, you're, yeah, I lost you for a little bit. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes. You're kind of frozen. Can you just say something that's not what we're saying for a minute? We can cut this out. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. I, also, I also lost you for a bit, but I think yeah. I can Okay. Remember. You're back. So um, maybe I'll just ask a question again um, so we can edit it. Mm. So would you agree that the most important habits are not necessarily ones that you do in your business, but for yourself? Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I always keep in mind that my business, my relationships, everything is a byproduct of who I am first and foremost as an individual. Mm. Um, and so I, I love how you, you caught on to that Kate. Yeah. All those habits, none of it really has to do with business. It all has to do with priming your mindset, making sure that, that you are in the right state of mind to go out there and, and tackle the day. And, um, yeah, wholeheartedly guys. Um, you know, there is no successful business unless you can be in control of, of you. And um, believe me, if your life is a mess, you might be able to sustain something for a little bit. But eventually, like I said, your product, business, uh, relationships are a, broad, a byproduct of you. Um, and so take, take care of yourself first and foremost and implement those habits. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs because they feel so overwhelmed by all the things that they need to do that it can be hard to take the time out. I know my own experience of life is totally different when I wake up early instead of having that extra 30 minutes of sleep, even on a night when I didn't have a good sleep, maybe my sleep was interrupted or I had a bad dream or I couldn't get to sleep. I still feel better if I wake up, you know, I'm in Canada right now, but when I'm at my home in Bali, you know, I still feel better if I wake up and I go for that beach walk um, instead of just laying there like a sloth for an extra 30 minutes that didn't really do anything, you know? or getting up and meditating. So for me, movement is key. If I don't move, I don't feel good. Um, but I also recognize I actually have come to really hate going to the gym. And instead of forcing myself to do that, I go for a walk. So in Canada, I live by a beautiful lake here in British Columbia. Um, and I will take my dog for a walk around the lake um, or go sit and meditate there when I'm in Bali or I'm in Australia. Um, Cause I have bases in those places. I will get up and walk by the ocean um, and that quiet time is time where my phone goes on to airplane mode and I try not to check my phone. I think, I think removing the phone from your space, like I don't sleep with my phone in my bedroom. I sleep with my phone in my bathroom so I can still hear the alarm. Um, but I put it to airplane mode and I don't check my phone until after my walk because if I check my, and it's really, this is a really challenging habit to build because your brain is like, must triage the fires, right? The problem is though, when you see those fires, 
99% of the fires that you feel like are fires are actually not as urgent as you think. And so it's like retraining your brain on what urgency really means. But for me, if I look at the phone before I go for the walk, I don't get that personal peace space. I start problem solving and thinking of all the things that I need to do today and all of those things. Um, so for me, it's getting up and moving my body, putting my phone in the bathroom and also planning my day the night before. So mm -hmm. I teach my clients a tool called daily vitals. And this is where they are focusing the night before on what the top three to six um, heartbeat tasks for their business are like, what are not like, Oh, I need to phone this person or send that email, but like, what are the three to six actual tasks that are going to generate income and move the business forward to the bigger vision. And, and then doing those one at a time. This is the key. We all think we're amazing multitaskers. We suck <laughs> the amount of energy. Like if you are listening to this right now and you have 50 tabs open on your browser, fucking close that shit down. For real. Do task one. Yeah, right? Like, do that first task. Do it as much as you can do it. And then when you're waiting for someone to get back to you, that's when you go to the next task. And you go through them systematically. So for me, it, those three are the biggest. And then I think beyond that, just really making time to have fun. My whole brand is designed around being able to enjoy your life. And I need to catch myself if... I am getting into any kind of scarcity mode and thinking I don't have time to go out for dinner tonight or I don't have time to, you know, take a break at two o'clock and go get my nails done. Anytime that I find myself in that place, I know I need to check myself. Yeah. And I think it's an important point to note that just because you've made it in business doesn't mean you're suddenly not going to have to manage yourself on any of these points. It just means that you know, the same things that bother you when you're a beginning entrepreneur will like, for example, if, if you get overwhelmed easily or you start to question yourself a lot or whatever your sort of crux is, it's still going to follow you to, to where you're going. It's going to, as the gradient of your success increases, you know, you're going to, you're going to maybe like tackle that thing. You know, for me, it was a belief that originally was a belief that success means you have to work really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And it's like, I tackled that belief down here, but it doesn't mean it doesn't keep coming up in new ways as you grow. So for me, it's like, okay, what is the um, personal habit or support structure I need in my life that's going to allow me to move past that resistance at the next level? So for me, that also looks like getting coaching support from my own coaches or going out and like chatting with a friend, just doing anything different if I notice my own resistance. And so the way I preempt that sort of as a habit, I suppose you could say is by doing a clearing practice. So I teach what's called an energy refresh. And it's basically where every morning when I wake up, I write down anything that's in my space. It could literally be like, I was going to go to bed at 10 o'clock, but I watched two episodes of Netflix and now I'm annoyed at myself. It could be, um, it could be the cleaner canceled and I'm having people over tonight and now my place is a mess. It could be my brother talks shit about me. It could be like, I'm giving you real examples, right? It could be like, you know, whatever it is, like just because you're successful doesn't mean you stop being a human. And I think it's so important to get a handle on the stories that run how you, how you do your day. So getting all that negative energy out and then looking at what the story is underneath it. So um, 
You know, if I'm having people over and my house is a mess, what's the story under there that's causing me stress? Like my friends don't care if like I didn't make my bed. Like they don't give a shit. So what's the story? The story is that, you know, everything in my life has to be beautifully, perfectly curated in order for me to be enough, right? Like that's the story. So when you start to get really clear on what the emotion is under all the things, it's an amazing exercise to start to go, oh, is that a fact or is that an interpretation? Actually, it's an interpretation. And now I can get on with my day with totally flat energy. Like my energy, everything is flat. And I get to take action from an empowered place, not from a place of scarcity where I'm trying to like fix some emotional story that I have. For you, yeah, those, those are really sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I love it. It's, it's really interesting. I, I applaud you because a lot of the things that you mentioned, the phone, the journaling the night before, I actually really struggle with those things. And so it goes to show you guys that, you know, not, not every habit is godsend and not every habit is, you know, super difficult or it is difficult to, to actually implement. Um, I think different things work with everyone. I think what Kate and I are talking right here just goes to show you that there are different things that we can all do. Mm. Um, that will help you get to wherever you want to go and implement those positive habits. Um, and one thing that I wanted to add, uh, Kate was, you know, we talk about freedom and it's, you're never going to be free of problems. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, I want to go to my cave. And, and way. Look, you're going to have problems either way. All right. It's going to rain. Mm. Something's going to happen. And so I think it's always important to remember too, that no matter how big we get or how small we go, there's always going to be problems. And at the end of the day, it just, it, you have to ask yourself, what kind of problems do I want in my life, mm. right? Do I want bigger problems because I'm doing bigger things and taking bigger risks and creating bigger, you know, bigger ideas? Or do I want little, you know, kind of minute little little problems um, because I'm not pushing my limits as much or, or I'd rather not have to deal with problems? And so um, I don't think we can ever avoid, no matter what habits we do or, or what we, you know, kind of what we implement in our lives, those things are always going to come. Mm. But that said, these habits... Like I love the, you know, the priming the night before and, and, and that all helps us avoid problems, mistakes, fires that may, may have happened if we didn't prepare the way that we are prepared. Um, and I think all of these things are amazing. Yeah. And can I just like, I love what you've said about um, you'll always have problems. Freedom to me is the ability to choose which problems you want to have and create your life intentionally with like, I am not willing to have the problem that my body hurts because I sit at a desk all day. That's not a problem I'm willing to have. Am I willing to have the problem that I have so many people on my team right now that I don't know how to manage all of them yet? Yes, <laughs> I am. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's choosing, creating life you want and choosing the problems that you're willing to have in your life. Um, right before we wrap up, because yep. I'm sure we could talk about this topic all day between the two of us. Um, I think it really bears mentioning that there are days when I do none of these things. And I'm sure that you have the same thing. And that's the thing is like you hear us talking, for those of you who are listening, you hear the Richard Bransons and Gary V's of the world talking about all these things. We're all people. And just because you don't implement this in your life or just because you don't do what we do doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Right. You know, you're just a human and you gotta find what works for you and implement that to the best of your ability. And everything in life will always be a practice. You're never going to get there, right? Yeah. Would you agree with that? I love that. I love that you said that. Um, I love it because you just, you just made it so human. And you're absolutely right. I mean, again, whether it's problems or, or not, you know, implementing or doing these things, your habits every day, that's okay, mm. right? 
you said it perfectly. We're all humans. We're not perfect. No one is perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. Don't chase perfection because <laughs> you're disappointed. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually really, really happy you said that because you're absolutely right. You, you do hear these podcasts or you hear interviews and, and sometimes it's almost like you get this paralysis. You're like, how the hell am I supposed to do all that? Right. Mm. Um, and so you're absolutely right. I think, I think what's important to keep in mind here is it's like the fall seven times, get up eight. Um, and I love that analogy. I also love the analogy of like the bank account, right? Where as long as I'm depositing more positive, I'm depositing more than I'm withdrawing, mm-hmm. then at the end of the day, I'm coming out in the positive and so, or in the green. And I think for when it comes to habits and implementing things in our lives, uh, when we're trying to get to a certain place. And by the way, I think you should always be trying to go somewhere, no matter where you are today. There's always, there's always room for growth. There's always room for experimentation. Um, there's always room for adventure. And, uh, and so, yes, like Kate said, guys, no one's perfect. And it's okay if you're not, if you don't get to it today, or if you miss a morning, if you sleep in, just try the next day to do it or to re-implement and practice what, what, what Kate teaches, write it down. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to fuck up. Mm. But one of the, and one of the best ways to move beyond the fuck up is journal about it, write about it, right? What did I not do great today? Okay, great. It's in my book and I let it go. Um, and I wanted to share one, one practice that I love. Uh, and that is, I'll give, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little bit of story again, something I learned from Earl Nightingale and how this practice ties into that. So, uh, Earl Nightingale and the stranger secret. And if you haven't heard it, you've heard me say that a couple of times, go listen to it. <laughs> he says that our minds are like soil, right? And if you're a farmer and you go to plant, you have two, you have two seeds in your hand to go, to go plant. You have nightshade, a deadly poison, or corn. The soil does not care what you plant in it, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter if it's corn, if it's poison. The soil is going to grow both of those seeds in the same amount of abundance. And so when you liken that to our minds, and our minds are so much more powerful than soil, right? And so much more unique. But think of those seeds as seeds of positivity and seeds of negativity and realize that we have, like you said, freedom to choose, freedom to choose anything. And in this case, the thoughts that you allow to permeate and to grow inside of your mind. And so every time you have a choice, every day we have a decision, do I allow negative seeds to plant in my mind or do I allow positive seeds to plant in my mind? And so remember, it's okay, again, to mess up. We all mess up. None of us are perfect. But just remember that every time you have a negative thought, it's okay. Rather, instead, plant a positive thought. Here's the exercise. Take that negative thought, write it down on a piece of paper, fold it, write down, thank you, or, you know, this doesn't serve me, or something along those lines, and burn it. Mm. You don't want to get so drastic as to burn it. (laughs) Just throw throw that sucker away. And then conversely, whenever you have a positive thought, whenever you have a moment of inspiration, if you hear something on today's chat that just fires you up and lights you up and gets you excited about today, tomorrow, whatever, take that idea, write it down on a piece of paper, say thank you, and then rather than throwing it away, put it in a drawer, put it somewhere safe, and cherish that as if you were planning that in your mind and watch how things start to change. It's been an incredibly powerful practice for me, um, and I give it to all of you guys with much respect and love. So um, I hope it helps. And if you try it, give us a shout out and let us know if it works. Beautiful. Okay. So before we wrap up, wrap up, can we, can we practice what we've preached today? 
by giving each other some feedback and some things that we love. Can we do, can we do the three things that I loved about this or two things I loved about this and one thing that I'd need more of? Sure. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So, um, one thing that I loved about this was the, I thought we had really fun conversational chemistry and I feel like you and I are just like sitting, having a beer together chatting about all this stuff, but also like there's this invisible audience. So I really enjoyed that this felt like personal and this felt real. And I also loved the vulnerability. I loved that both of us were so willing to tie it back to our real life experiences and what we've learned from that to help really humanize it for other people. Um, one thing that I, I would need more of, and actually I think we should do this right now, yeah. I think we should have started off this conversation with why we are both so credible for people to give a shit about what we have to say here. I oh, would yeah. have, I, I think we probably should have started this podcast with a little bit more of sort of our elevator pitch. So can we do that right now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, I'll start. So I'm Kate Rich, the rich coach, and you can follow me on Instagram, the rich coach. Um, I have worked in more than 25 countries with over 1500 entrepreneurs, CEOs, um, and professionals, helping them to see their world in a new way and have more fun without working any harder while they're making impact in the world. I have a master's degree in, uh, in interpersonal and intercultural communication, and I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars studying under the best coaches in the world. And I believe in continually practicing what I preach and that's what I'm here to do. What's going on everyone? I am Oscar Guerrero. Uh, I have, I manage a, a multiple six figure agency that partners with six and seven figure plastic surgeons to grow their brand and automate their businesses online. Um, I was able to grow from zero to well over 200 K in less than six months. And today our goal is to become a seven figure agency that is six figures a month by the end of March of 2020. My background uh, is in big corporate. I held uh, managerial positions in marketing at Royal Caribbean International and uh, the largest sports marketing agency in China, Oceans Sports Marketing. I'm a fanatic of social dynamics. I had graduated from the Art of Charm, which is one of the most uh, world, one of the best known social dynamics uh, programs in the world. Uh, and I also hold a master's in international business. My mission now is to continue growing and creating um, more businesses and helping other entrepreneurs and people in general implement successful habits in their lives so that they can be more productive, make more money, and skyrocket their happiness. Boom. Cool. Okay, what are your, um, what are your one thing we could have done more of and two things that you loved? <clears throat> Yeah, well, hey, listen. Now that you said it, I completely agree. Um, we didn't really, we didn't really state what we were good at, but we did that. So um, that was good. I liked, I liked that we had the the conversation. Um, that was that was easy for me. Uh, I'm losing track. So look, I have a tendency to to ramble off. So um, <laughs> I always have to be careful that I don't ramble too much. But I, I love the fact that because it was a conversation, it allowed us both to to really dig in and, and go into our pasts. Thank you for being vulnerable. Um, it allowed me to be vulnerable as well. Did you tell people where they can follow you yet? Yeah, guys. So please, you can follow my Instagram at Oscar C Guerrero. Uh, that is with two R's. Uh, if you find, just look for Oscar Oscar Guerrero. And yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Wonderful. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, Oscar. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, for everybody that's listening, make sure that you follow both Oscar and I. Uh, we both post stories about what it's like to actively scale a business and work with our teams. Um, and we drop lots of value bombs for you guys all the time. So check us both out, The Rich Coach and Oscar Guerrero on Instagram and see you there. Amazing. Thank you. Woohoo. Want more rich life adventures from Kate? Follow her on Instagram by searching at The Rich Coach or head to her website, www.katerich.com. That's K-A-I-T-R-I-C-H.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, screenshot it and share it on your Instagram stories to help other people find their rich life too.